Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. To all of our guests, we welcome you. Those of you that are here tonight, especially for our baby dedication, we're glad to have you here tonight as well. Thank you for being in this service. If you're joining us online somewhere, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Pray that you are blessed by it wherever you may be. Praise God. If you would turn with me to Exodus chapter 1, I realize again this is a little bit different than the way we normally do it. Uh, to be honest, it is my hope and intent that uh, we will do it this way rather than the way we've normally done it to take a little more time with something that is, I think, pretty significant. It's not just a ceremony. It's not just a ritual. I believe it's something that's very important. So I don't, I don't plan to preach a long time, but I do have something I feel like the Lord has given me to share with you this evening for this service. Exodus chapter 1, starting reading with verse number 15. Exodus 1, verse number 15. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face. That's chapter 2, sorry. That's what happens when you don't get, when you get out of practice of using a Bible wrong place. Try that again. 1.15 And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives of which the name of the one was Shipra and the name of the other Pua Pua something. And he said when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools if it be a son then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that He made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born, you shall cast into the river, every daughter you shall save alive. Every son that is born you shall cast in the river. Every son, every excuse me, every daughter you shall save alive. This will make more sense in a few minutes, but I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight on this subject. Save the goodly child. Save the goodly child. Father, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that you would minister to us through your word, that 
you would speak to every heart. I pray, God, that especially the parents that are here tonight to dedicate their children to you, I pray that you would speak to their hearts tonight, God, that they would not simply hear a sermon, but a word that would come from you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I trust you for your anointing tonight. I depend upon you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Brother Stewart, I, I can't hear myself. I realize this is a familiar passage of Scripture, a familiar story. So I don't have to get into too much of the details because most of you are familiar with much of it. Joseph, who had been the first Hebrew to end up in Egypt and shortly after that is, or not shortly, but a time after that, his brothers, his father, their families, they lived there and the children of Israel began to grow and multiply. And the Bible says that there arose another Pharaoh, different than the Pharaoh that Joseph knew, and he began to be threatened by the children of Israel. And so his way of dealing with that was to instruct, as we read in verse 22, every child that is born as a female, let her live. Every child that is born as a male, it's supposed to die. According to the verses, first several verses we read, that really wasn't happening too much. And Pharaoh finds out about it and once again takes a stand in an effort to eradicate or to minimize the impact of the children of Israel in Egypt. There was fear that they would join forces with the enemies of Egypt and fight against Egypt, come against Egypt. And so he begins to deal with them. Verse number 1 of chapter 2 says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. I don't know how accurate this is. It's about the best that I could come up with. and So I don't know if it really works or not, but just for a little bit and Sorry, Jude, the Smarties are all emptied out, so we'll have to get them after church. I'm not really sure. I realize that in Moses' destiny, he was to become the deliverer, the one to be used to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Is there a mother here tonight that is not of the opinion your child was a goodly child? I, I, upon a second or third look, most babies are not quite as beautiful as they looked at first. Unless it's a mother's eyes. 
somehow Moses' mother saw something in him. But Sister Spriggs, I can't, I can't believe that she saw something in him that every other mother didn't see in their own son. I can't believe that there was something so unique about him that no other mother saw that. And I realized that he was destined by God to be the one to deliver the children or lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But I, I also know that God is no respecter of persons. And while Moses may have been the one selected by God to lead Israel out of Egypt, was there not another mother? Was there not another mother that looked at her own child and said, there's something about this baby that I know what the king says, I know what Pharaoh says, but I've got to do something to preserve my child. And after three months of trying to take care of Moses, the Bible says his mother builds a little ark. You know what's interesting is the word ark, the Hebrew word is the same Hebrew word for the ark that Noah built. The word ark of the covenant, it's not the same word. The only place you find that Hebrew word ark used is with regard to the ark that Moses' mother made for him and the ark that Noah built. You see, they both represented salvation. They both represented an escape. They both represented that even though according to the world there was judgment or doom and gloom, there was a way out. But somebody had to decide it's a goodly child and no matter what it costs me and no matter what the risk is, I will do whatever I can to protect and preserve the life of my baby. I would imagine for those three months it was a dangerous thing to keep that boy alive and to somehow try to keep him hidden and rumors hidden that he was still alive. And so she finally decides she can't do it anymore and she builds an ark and she puts it in him. The Bible says she put it in the flags or she put it by the, by the, by the, by the shore, the bank. Miriam. Moses' sister goes to watch and report to her mother what happens. And the Bible says in verse 5, The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. Not a bad deal, moms. Take care of your own baby and somebody pays you to take care of your own child. Man, how about that? And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew and she brought him in unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she called his name Moses and she said, 
because I drew him out of the water. I realized that in 2016, there is no edict from a president that says every male child must die. I realized there are no decrees today like there were around the time of Jesus' birth where Herod said that all the male children were supposed to die. I realized there may not be that officially or literally today, but I do believe that there is an enemy who has an agenda that is trying to destroy not just the male children but also the female children and there is a world that is desperately working to steal and especially I believe to steal from the house of God those babies that have been born into the church Not that they're any better than any other baby. Not that they're any more important. But how sad it is to be birthed into the house of God. And to have the opportunity to live in the house of God. And know the benefits and the blessings of the house of God. And yet somehow lose out on that. Because there is an enemy that will not give up. He will not retreat. He will not let down. But he makes up his mind to do everything he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so I've come to challenge first and foremost the parents that will bring children tonight to be dedicated. Is there not some of you that will make up your mind that I'm going to do whatever I can that not just for a ceremonial dedication at an altar as a part of a service but I'm going to create, I'm going to create something. I'm going to create some way That no matter what an enemy is trying to do to my baby, I will do whatever I can do to see its life preserved for the kingdom of God. Oh God, we are living in a world that promotes getting rid of a life before it ever has a chance to even live. There are no such things as accidents. There are no such things as mistakes. God forbid, but there's probably somebody here tonight that heard the words uttered by your parents. You were a mistake. You were an accident. No such thing. Since we've got children here tonight, I'll try to be as 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 discreet as I can but the act that produces life not every time that act is committed is life produced not every time that act is committed is there life that comes into existence and so if that act is committed and a life comes into existence it is because there is a creator There is a creator that decided, I want to make a life. And when I make a life, there is a purpose for that life. God makes no mistakes. God has no accidents. God has no oopsies. He said said to Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb. 
Before you were ever born, I already knew you. I already determined what I was going to do through your life. And while I acknowledge that not every one of us tonight is called to be a prophet like Jeremiah, I will say that I believe that if God called Jeremiah from the womb and put his hand on him before he was ever born, then if God is no respecter of persons, I may not be called to be a prophet, but before I was ever born... God's hand was on me and God's purpose rested on my life. Yet the enemy has made it acceptable to destroy what God creates and what God creates with a purpose. If it's inconvenient, how inconvenient was it for Moses' mother to try to save him? How inconvenient was it for Moses to, Moses' mother to try to do something to spare and to preserve his life. And yet she was willing to risk whatever it might cost her. Because she recognized something in that child. Bible says that he grew and as she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, he became her son. I don't know what his name was. I can't find it. Maybe somebody else has found it. I don't know what Moses' name was. I don't find anything in Scripture that gives us his birth name. The only name we know Moses by is his Egyptian name. (laughs) The only name we know Moses by is his Egyptian name, Moses. That wasn't his real identity. That's not who he was born as. That's not the name that was given to him at birth. That was a replacement name. And so Pharaoh's daughter adopts him, begins to raise him. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says, that she, Moses' mother's Moses' mother, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. Though it must have been nearly as severe a trial for Jochebed to part with him the second time as the first, she was doubtless reconciled to it by her belief in his high destination as the future deliverer of Israel. His age when removed to the palace is not stated, but he was old enough to be well instructed in the principles of the true religion and those Early impressions deepened by the power of divine grace were never forgotten or effaced. He had remained long enough to be thoroughly imbued with the true national feeling of a Hebrew. And though he may have actively engaged in the varied scenes to which his royal station afterward introduced him, he never ceased to cherish a spirit of of sympathy with the race from which he had sprung. Again, I can't find anything definite or anything that seems to be very solid as to how long it was that Moses' mother had him and took care of him before she gave him back to Pharaoh's daughter. The best I can find is it could have been possibly a couple of years. A couple of years. Four children. I got a little bit of experience with what goes on in the first couple of years. You celebrate things 
that if it was an adult doing them, you would laugh and scoff. You celebrate the first time that that hand jumps all over the place to finally get a Cheerio. And then somehow to navigate that Cheerio to the mouth. You celebrate the first time that 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 child makes a step. You celebrate the first time they utter the name of a parent. Even if it takes the gift of interpretation to truly know what it is they're saying. Those first couple of years, you, 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 you might get them to recognize some colors. You, you might get them to count a little bit. You, you might get them to, but they're, they're not solving any mathematical equations. They're, they're not reciting poetry. They're, they're, they're not, they're not inventing the latest and greatest technology. They're just learning the very basics of life. So let's say that it was three years or so that Moses' mother had him. Three years of being able to care for him. She brings him back and immediately he gets a name change. A new identity. He's now been given an Egyptian Identity. Called by a new name that's not really his name. But when we go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we read through what is often referred to as faith's hall of fame, we find the end of the story. Hebrews 11 verse number 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years when he was come to years what does it mean when he was come to years that means he had reached the point of maturity he had grown up i know we think when you're 18 you've grown up you can vote you can enlist you can so 18 is some kind of magical number in, in in the united states 18 you can move out on your own be your own man your own woman but moses was come to years full maturity at 40 years old 40 years old so there was a very significant amount of time that had gone by from the day that Moses' mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter and turned him over to her care to this day now that the writer of Hebrews refers to. It says, when he was come to years, he refused. He refused. To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. How crazy is that? 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. That means he chose to give up all of the perks he had of being raised in Pharaoh's house. Eating the finest of foods, wearing the best of clothes, educated by the most intelligent people there were of his day. And yet when the time came to make a decision, he rejected all of that and chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And rather than enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The living Bible says it this way, it was by faith that Moses, when he, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the grandson of the king, but chose to share ill treatment with God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought that it was better to suffer for the promised Christ than to own all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the great reward that God would give him. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. How did that happen? When did that happen? (laughs) Apparently it happened within just a couple of years while Moses' mother was being paid to take care of her own child. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she accomplished it because I'm sure like any other One-year-old, two-year-old, possible three-year-old. I don't think Moses was a prodigy. I doubt he was sitting there carrying on intellectual conversations with his mother. I doubt that she was sitting there talking to him and him responding to her about all of the laws of the children of Israel and the promises of God to the people of Israel. I don't think he had any more ability to comprehend what she would say to him than any other child would have the ability to. And yet somehow in just a matter of a few years, she put something so deep into his spirit that when it comes time to make a decision, either embrace what Egypt offers and all of the pleasures and the riches of Egypt or forsake it all for suffering. The Bible says he forsook what Egypt had and chose to suffer reproach with the people of God. I, I, I've come to the conclusion I, you know, I, I, I don't know what you, what you think happened. If you're a guest tonight, don't really know me. My dad's founding pastor of this church, born and raised an apostolic. I, we, we, we didn't do weekly Bible studies. We, my dad didn't sit down every week with me and, 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 you know, go through the Bible verse by verse. And 
There were plenty of conversations throughout my childhood, my teenage years, but it, it wasn't it, never anything that I recall as being some kind of formal sit down. I've come to the conclusion you're much the impact you're going to have living it is much greater than some kind of formal sit down. But outside of that sit down, what is seen is something very different than what is said. I want my kids to see me live it. In fact, I, I want the impact of them seeing me live it to be greater than the impact of me telling them. So I, I don't know how, I don't know what it was that in that short amount of time that Moses' mother was able to get something into his spirit. But there was something that was planted that was so strong that in spite of everything Egypt had, in spite of all of the opportunity that was afforded to Moses as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, the Bible says he forsook it all. He gave it all up and chose the people of God over the pleasures of Egypt. Can I remind you, can I remind you parents tonight? The Bible tells us, Paul tells us a couple of times very specifically that these things happen to them for our example. That what they faced in the natural is intended to be a spiritual example for us today. And just as strong as Egypt was in trying to destroy those children then, so is the world today in trying to destroy our children now. Just as much as there was a Pharaoh that was out to destroy those children, there is a devil who is out to destroy our children. There is an enemy that is plotting to do anything and everything he can to destroy the lives of the infants and the children that sit on these seats tonight. But I've come to declare to you tonight that if Jochebed could do something to save that goodly child of hers, then surely you and I can do something tonight to save the goodly children that God has invested into our care. And even if there is an enemy who has decreed that they must die, that somehow you and I could join together and we can build an ark and we can provide something of safety that Lives that are supposed to be destroyed might be able to live. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. But I wish somehow tonight, beyond the parents that are about to have children dedicated, I wish there's some other parents that would get a, a, a holy anger that would arise inside of you, that something would get a hold of you on the inside that says, I refuse to let the enemy destroy the goodly children that God has placed in my care. I refuse to let this world and the ungodliness that we're living in and the sinfulness 
darkness that's around us. Take the life of what God has invested into my care. And I don't mean to go start arguing and fussing with children. But what I mean is get down on your knees someplace. And it may not be a physical ark like Moses' mother built for him. But I believe that you can build a spiritual ark. A place of safety and security that your children can be put into and protected and preserved from every intent. Of the enemy. Oh God. I gotta I gotta quit. I gotta quit. We gotta get to what we're supposed to do. But I I just got a challenge for a moment. Parents, please, 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 please. We are living in a world that is on the offensive. We are living in a world that is on the offensive with our children. Every direction now, it's not just in Hollywood when they're being bombarded by immorality and ungodliness, but now they sit in the classroom of a school and a teacher will tell them things that are immoral and ungodly and things that according to the Word of God were an abomination and still are an abomination. And if we are going to sit by and be passive as parents, if we're going to be passive as a church, if we're going to be passive in Sunday school and bus ministry and outreach and just put in our time there's going to be a lot of children destroyed but I believe tonight that God has given us the opportunity that there can be those of us that will arise and say I've seen some goodly children I've come across some goodly children and I will make up my mind even if it's at the risk of my life I will work to save what God has entrusted me with I know I'm, I'm not. I, I've done it differently in the past myself, so I'm not faulting. This is not a criticism or a judgment of anybody else. But I believe if we've ever needed to do what we're doing here tonight, we need to do it now. If there's ever been a day where what we are doing here tonight is important, it's tonight. It's this day. There's ever been a time when we ought to do more than just go through the motions of bringing babies to an altar and dabbing a little bit of oil on their hair and head and saying a cute little prayer and going on about our business. 2016 is the day that something needs to be stirring with inside of us that says, God, for the sake of my baby, I can't just go through the motions. For the sake of my child, God, and its future in this world, I can't just go through the motions of this. But God, with every everything in me. I do this out of sincerity and out of a desire that I need you to intervene in this life. If you're a guest here tonight, we don't baptize infants. Leave baptism as a choice. It's a decision that must be made. Infants and children are innocent and they haven't willfully disobeyed. So we're not here tonight to baptize. We're here to dedicate. Part of what that means is, God, what you've given to me, I acknowledge it's not mine. I'm just the caretaker. I'm just the steward. And since I'm the steward, that means what I do 
how I do it, how I parent, how I take care of this child, what you want, what you desire, is what I need to commit myself to. This is not my life that's been given to me to raise, but simply what's been entrusted to me. So that not only with my words, but with my actions, my character, my conduct, I will work to influence this life for the sake of the kingdom. If you're here tonight, you come with your child, your baby to be dedicated. I'm going to invite you at this time to come. If you're here as a family member or a friend, of someone that's being dedicated, we invite you to come and join them as well, to come stand with them. are a licensed minister or a congregation leader that is not specifically involved with one of these families, if you would make your way down to the front, prepare to help. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Congregation, would you stand, please? I'm going to anoint each one of these babies. And after I do that, I'm going to ask the elders to begin to pray for the babies and also for the parents. I'm going to ask you as the congregation if you would pray with us first and foremost for these babies that God's hand would be upon their lives, that He would protect them, keep them, guard them. And I want you to pray for these parents that God would bless them, give them wisdom and guidance be able to raise these children and bring them up in a way that will be pleasing to God. 
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, 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 Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, we come before you. In Jesus' name, Father, we come before you tonight. First and foremost, God, on behalf of each one of these babies. God, we bring them back to you. We give them back to you. You have entrusted them to us, but tonight... We give them back to you, God. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that your hand would rest upon them. God, I pray that in the same way you protected and preserved Moses' life, that you would protect and preserve their life. The same way, God, that you watched over him and kept him, that you would keep each one of these children, Lord, in Jesus. I pray, God, that your hand would rest upon them, that your angels would watch over and keep them, Lord, that you would guard them, God, that you would order their steps. You promised in your word that the steps of a good man are ordered by you. So I ask, God, that you would order the lives of each one of these children. God, that they would walk in your ways. I pray, God, that there would be a revelation of truth in their hearts an understanding of truth in their lives, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, I pray tonight for each one of these parents. I pray, God, for wisdom and guidance. I pray, God, that you would give them the ability they need to train up these children in the way they should go so that as your word has promised, when they are old, they will not depart. God, I pray that your love would flow through each one of these parents, that they would be a conduit of your love, that each one of these children would be able to receive your love through these parents, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that it would be said of each one of these children that when they are come to years, that they would choose to suffer reproach with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Trust you for your grace tonight. We trust you for your guidance. God, in the midst of a world that has an agenda to destroy these lives, we declare tonight the power of your Spirit to preserve and keep. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're in the congregation. Would you just join me right now for a moment? We just worship Him for a moment. Father, we honor You. We honor You. You are the Heavenly Father. You're not just our God. You're not just distant off in the heavens, but You're our Heavenly Father. We honor You tonight as the Creator of each one of these lives. We honor You tonight as the Giver of each one of these lives. We trust You with them, Lord. We trust You, God, to do what is best in their lives. For Your glory, for Your namesake, Father. Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name Thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Hallelujah 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 Thank you Jesus Praise God. As I said, we're kind of trying to do this a little bit different tonight, so if you would bear with us for a few moments. It is only 7.30. We want to take a moment with each family and make a memory of this night. So, we're going to ask the individuals, or the mom and dad, or the grandparents, to join us on the platform for a brief photo. So first I would like to recognize Melody Miss Lanny. You guys can join me. Sister Angie, where are you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Melody Miss Lane. <laughs> Mr. Joshua Dennis.
Marley Dandridge. Get that right. Thank you for your patience. Almost there. Where are we? Mr. Theodore Rafter. I think I can work on my way. up here. And 
Kalil Osborne. I do babysit if you need help. Just give me a call. Would you stand? Jesus, we love you tonight. Thank you for each one of these lives that not only have you entrusted these families with, but you've entrusted us as a church to be a part of impacting them, being examples of what it means to be a disciple of you. Thank you for our time here tonight. Thank you for your presence in this service. Thank you for this opportunity that we've had to celebrate these children, these families. Pray your blessings upon us as we go from this place tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.